Welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast with Matthew Eels. To play the game, you knock on your front door three times. I don't want to do this. James, let's just... I don't know what happened. That's the very short trailer for new TikTok series, The Curse of Bubba Yaga. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. It's been a while, but now that the chaos of my film festival, the WA Made Film Festival, is over for another year, I'm back doing what I love doing the most, and that's bringing you all the best Australian filmmaking stories through cinemaaustralia.com.au and the Cinema Australia podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by the Curse of Baba Yaga writer and director Christopher Colley. The Perth's first teen horror TikTok series, The Curse of Bubba Yaga, is a found footage series following two high school boys, James and Luca, as they navigate a string of disappearances in their quiet suburban town. The Curse of Bubba Yaga is from first-time writer and director Christopher Colley, who also stars on screen as James and uh, producer Matt Hodgkinson. It's funny, the more times you say the curse of Bubba Yagi, you're wondering if you're saying it right, and uh, as you'll hear during the interview, Christopher agrees as well. Uh, with a background in acting, Christopher has pivoted to writing and directing with the aim to push the possibilities of queer uh, characters on screen, exploring nuanced stories that reflect his own lived experiences. In this interview, Christopher discusses creating specifically for TikTok during a time of controversy for the platform, his horror inspirations, working with up-and-coming actor Luke J. McIntosh, and what it's like shoot uh, what it's like to shoot in a vertical format. The Curse of Baba Yaga will be available to watch on TikTok from Friday, the seventh of April. Anyway, enjoy. Chris, thank you very much for joining us. It's great to be speaking with you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm going to start with something quite political here because there is an elephant in the room right now. Um, we're currently finding ourselves smack bang in the middle of a social media war. Um, Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, wants TikTok, uh, wants what TikTok has, and that's its big advertising revenue. Um, the US government is threatening to ban TikTok in America and take it away from its 115 million users. Is this a good time for creators to be investing in TikTok as a platform to present their work? Um, it's it's a tricky time, but it still is a very exciting time. I think as like a young creator, you can't help but be drawn to the things that feel a little bit risky and a little bit... Um, Taboo is the wrong word, but like things feel so fast now with social media and things feel like they're changing. And I know for me, although there's lots of things going on with things like YouTube shorts and Instagram and all of that, TikTok does still feel like the place with the freshest and the newest things are always happening. I know for me, whenever I see things or my friends will show me things that they've got on Instagram or, or I've seen on YouTube, I'm like, well, I've seen that two weeks ago because I'm on TikTok. So. Yes. It's, it's, I don't know, it still feels like the most exciting thing. And I get it. And I understand um, it is a very complex uh, situation. But as a somebody who uses it, TikTok is still the most exciting place to be. It really is. It, it truly is. Uh, um, it kind of feels like uh, the parents are having an argument, you know, mum and dad are fighting again. 
Um, yeah. but, uh, but whereas for us, us viewers, we can see through that. We can see through the transparency and we know that their argument is all about money. But from our point of view, we want quality content. And what you've yeah. created here is a genuine piece of uh, quality content. It's, uh, it's very Thank enjoyable. Very so congratulations on this one. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. No, I completely agree. It feels like still feels slightly naughty. And I feel like a lot of the content on TikTok cuts through um, and does feel authentic and it feels genuine and it feels so, so creative as well, which is super exciting. Yes. Uh, I want to go back for a moment. Uh, in your creative statement, you say that you have uh, a strange obsession with witches. Uh, can yes. you trace back to where that obsession came from? Um, I, I don't really know. It's just always been a thing. My um, family is Croatian. We have Eastern European her heritage. And I remember being told stories of like Baba Yaga and witches and monsters in the woods as a kid. Um, and then growing up, there was just this like affinity with, uh, rebellious women and, uh, being slightly naughty and movies like, Hocus Pocus or something scary like the Blair Witch Project. And I remember in high school, me and my friends, every Friday or Saturday night, we'd catch up and we'd watch, we'd like buy pizza and watch horror movies together. Um, and I don't know, it was just all of these things that melded in together. And I even think at the moment, it's really interesting because there is this resurgence of like trends on TikTok, like witch talk and um, tarot card readings and all of these things that I feel like are in the zeitgeist at the moment. Just you feel you can't help but be excited and interested and curious about them because I think everybody has this sense of escapism or like wanting to interact with the fantasy a little bit that is so fun and childlike in a sense. Yes, yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Blair Witch Project there and obviously, um, yeah. you know, there are some comparisons between the Blair Witch Project and and uh, what you've created here. Uh, were, there other, were there any other horror films that inspired uh, what you've done here? Not so much horror films. Like I, I have a, I, I think I've seen every single horror film there, there is. And I, obviously there were things that are like horror tropes or different things like that, that were inspiring. But I think the main influence was like the horror culture, the horror online culture. Mm. Like I would watch a lot of different uh, uh, creators who've created, whether it was a series that is, found footage but is on TikTok and they're trying to make it, you suspend your disbelief for a moment and you feel like you're watching something that is real, although you can sort of put two and two together and understand that it's fake. All of these like subcultures of um, it's, it's getting into very internet lingo, but things like the back rooms or things like creepypasta, um, which are these like uh, narrations and stories that people would tell of, and accompany, accompany them with like different images Um or true crime podcasts, all of these different things. And then there's even like a lot of uh, creators who have found their start, specifically horror horror genre creators who found their start on the internet. And the internet itself does feel like a very scary thing at times. So it is, it's, it's a very creative, exciting and like terrifying space to draw inf uh, inspiration from. Yes. Yeah. So tell us about developing this uh, story and, and where your ideas for it came from. Uh, so the initiative was through Screen West and Screen Australia. It came, it was uh, around the time that COVID hit and I was, I'm trained as an actor. I went to drama school and then I had decided to started writing, to start writing during COVID because a lot of the things that I was getting put up for, I didn't quite, 
I don't know. I would just, I would read scripts and I would sort of, it always saw, felt a little on the nose or felt a little bit just not, it didn't have the same nuances I felt like my life experiences had. And I think especially when it came to writing for queer stories and queer characters, I was like, I think I can just bring a little bit of, a little bit of zhuzh to it. Um, and so I decided to start writing and then the I saw the initiative and I'd never, um, I'd never done something that was funded. I'd never done something that was to such a big scale or something that had, you know, something like Screen West or Screen Australia behind it. Mm -hmm. And I think being so green kind of helped. Like I remember when the initiative came out, I just look up things like how do you apply for a Netflix series or how does Stan put together a TV show? And then when I was going through the process of writing and creating I just followed all the prompts that were sort of given to me mm -hmm. I looked at the things that I found really exciting I um knew when we when we decided to do something on TikTok I started you know getting obsessed with uh all of these like sub genres of videos with the horror genres videos on TikTok all of these like different conspiracy theory things all of these like terrifying stories that I would find online and then tried to find a way to like bridge the things that I wanted to tell with the things that I was so, so excited about, excited by. And then there was a lot of other creators who um, were making things online, whether it was just little short films or little videos or the girls that created the formal series, which was mm -hmm. another TikTok series and love songs was another one or scattered. And it just sort of felt more like a possibility. And then bringing just, throwing everything into my big cauldron and then mixing it together and figuring out what would come out. And that was the, the curse of Baba Yaga. Excellent. Uh, Baba Yaga, you've said it there. Uh, how many times do people say Baby Yoda? Oh, all the time. Every time. I get everything. <laughs> Baby Yaga. Who's, who's Baba? Babuba. Yeah, I get, I get everything. And honestly, I've heard it so many times now that I don't even know if I say it properly. Yes, yes. You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at cinemaaustralia.com.au. Um, uh, Pieces is a Western Australian-made feature film uh, that has had a very successful independent cinema run across Australia recently. And uh, one of the best things about that film is one of the lead performances from uh, Luke Jai McIntosh. Um, this guy's a serious talent. Uh, can you tell us about working with Luke here? Uh, yeah, he's a he's an absolute sweetheart. Um, I I it was when we first put out the casting and we started getting all of these like fantastic auditions, especially like in WA. And I don't think this is a surprise to anybody in Perth. There's so much so much talent, especially from like young actors. Um, but I just remember his audition coming up and I didn't know who he was. I didn't know anything about him. And it was, you just, yeah, you just knew. You were like, no, this is, this is him. This is the one. And then on set, uh, I don't know, he felt, uh, we obviously acted across from each other. So there was this like camaraderie between us, but I don't know. He just felt like a little brother to me, to be honest. Um, and he was very cheeky and very sassy. And half the time I was like, oh, I just want to beat you up. But in like the most... <laughs> brilliant brotherly sort of way it was absolutely fantastic working with him and yeah. I I'm I expect nothing but like superstardom from him he's fantastic he really is a terrific actor and uh, I was lucky enough to catch the first three episodes 
um, and you two have a real uh, great chemistry on set. So I look forward to seeing the rest of the episodes, um, especially <laughs> for, for that. Um, and uh, also I want to talk about uh, one of your other uh, creatives here, which is um, uh, Matt Hodgkinson, who's a, a very experienced producer. Um, when did Matt come on board and, and what did you learn uh, from working with someone with such experience? Um, Matt came on board a bit later on in the process. I had we'd been chosen for production funding and I needed uh, I sort of needed somebody who knew what they were doing um, in that professional sense and so I remember meeting Matt we went out for a coffee and I sort of pitched him the series and uh, I had this weird thing and I think it was because coming from uh, like a queer story and the, all of the producers that I was meeting, I had this idea in my mind of uh, it needs to be like a female producer. I don't know why it just needs to be. And Matt was the only guy I met. And then I just thought, oh, no. Um, it was like that part of my brain that was like, nope, he's the one. And he was just so brilliantly, he was so perfect and so empathetic and so understanding and so conscious of everybody. Not to say that the others weren't, but everybody was when something just fits and he was just so perfect and I definitely learnt a tremendous amount from him. Um, I really appreciate his patience with me because I know there was so many times where I, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and so there's the pressure of something that feels so new and feels so important to you along with you allowing yourself some space to make mistakes and have growing pains and try things out. And the whole time Matt had this perfect balance of um, like fostering my creativity and sort of training me in a sense, but then also keeping it super professional and helping me excel as like a writer and a creative and a filmmaker. Um, and then on set, everybody like you can't, can't ask for somebody better on set. He was also, um, he was just, yeah, he was just fantastic. I have no no bad words to say. He was really, I'm yeah. You were you spoke about uh, training as an actor before. Uh, why did you decide that you wanted to direct this? Um, I it was actually something that I had thought. Like I kept on going back and forth. It was I wasn't sure if it was something that I wanted to do in the beginning. I also wasn't sure if I wanted to act in it either. Um, but just at the time, I was so inspired by different creatives who took on different roles and specifically when it came to telling certain stories. Um, I'm sure everybody says this, but I, I, you know, obsessively watched Fleabag, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I'd watched her one-woman show over and over again. Michaela Cole. Um, there's a actor, writer, director called uh, Will Sharp, who I'd also been obsessing over and doing all of these things during lockdown. Um I don't know, it just became my my baby, my brainchild. And there was all of these th these skills that I wanted to learn. And I think uh, as somebody who like has multi, like dabbles in different areas, I think for this specific story and the specific style and just all of the different things that it meant to me, whether it was drawing from my teenage years, drawing from my like family history or drawing from all of the inspirations that I have, it just, it felt right. Well, you've it done a terrific right. job. I think you made the right decision there. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, uh, well, so tell us about what's one of the biggest challenges of shooting vertically rather than horizontally, uh, uh, as well as for a mobile device rather than a more traditional screen. What challenges did you come up against? 
Um, just it in some ways it was a little bit freeing because you you really had to hone in on what you're actually seeing on on screen. Yes. Um, in other ways, it was sort of like a brain flip mm-hmm. because I think we all specifically like the crew as well. They would dress things or they would set up things just automatically for, you know, a widescreen. And then you would realize, oh, we we don't actually see all of that. We can just focus in and like make really detailed the things that we are seeing on screen. So on, to be honest, it actually um, felt like more of a blessing at times. And I think the thing that was the hardest is I had to really remove the idea of like traditional filmmaking from my mind, like telling that completely flipping that script in my mind of not having these like wide shots or not having these like slow um, things where you set up the the tone and you set different things up, trying to think of a way to achieve all of those same things, but in a completely new context. And I think becoming obsessed with internet culture and just, every single rabbit hole on TikTok I definitely dived into. Those were my sources of informa- of inspiration. And yeah, it was achieving the same things, but in just a completely new way, which is fun because in some ways you're, you have all of the um, tools in your pocket, but then you're applying them in something in a way that hasn't really been done much before. So you're just trying things out and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't, which is really cool. Yeah, uh, I've been uh, uh, covering Australian cinema for 10 years now and I love hearing these stories about uh, people adapting to new platforms and trying new things. Uh, I think yeah. what you've done here is absolutely terrific and I wish it all the success. Um, can you. you tell Can you tell our listeners uh, how people are going to be able to watch this and, and when? Yeah, so it, uh, we start releasing on the 7th of April over Easter um, and follow us at The Curse of Baba Yaga on TikTok. Um yeah, as simple as that. We'll be releasing episodes. Uh, I, I won't actually, I won't give too much away because that, but it will be quite a quick release. It's one of those series where I think you'll finish one episode and you'll be like, oh no, I need to go. I need to watch the next. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, but yeah, at, at the Curse of Baba Yaga on TikTok. Terrific. Uh, Christopher, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate My pleasure. the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Find all the latest Australian film news at cinemaaustralia.com.au. You can follow Cinema Australia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok.